1: Welcome to the mentor. I'm Mark uh, Boris. Jordan Barclay, welcome to the mentor, mate. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I got to say to you, like I'm, I'm seeing about three generations <laughs> 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 below me, but I, I like it's actually qu- quite quite a, a thrill to talk to. I see you're only young, like you're 21. Yes, that's yeah. correct. 21 years of uh, 21 years of age. I thought, who's this dude sitting here in the uh, waiting area, um, looking so casual, like? Uh, but actually, it's uh, probably how your generation dresses um, and that's that's um, Yes, well, I think
0: I might scare all of my Gen Z employees if I came in in a suit and tie. No, no, no. no, <laughs> no. I don't
1: want to see you dressed that way. I want you to be natural anyway. And, and it's, you're from Spawn Point Media, which is your business. Um yes. But I see in the, that you started this when you were nine years of age.
0: Yes, that's correct. Uh, that definitely shocks a lot of people. Um, usually what happens is we go through the conversation and then we get to the end of the conversation, they ask me their age, and then they're shocked. But you've kind of taken away that shock factor from me. Um, but... No, I did start uh, when I was in year four, it was 2012. I'd actually been editing videos for a lot longer than that, um, since I was in prep, which I don't even know what age that was. But um, I'd been editing videos for ages, YouTube would came out, and I just love this idea of being able to create things. I had an old video camera with a cassette tape, and I would burn that onto the computer for my first couple of videos, which sounds really bizarre now, Um Even uh, a lot of people my age don't even know what a cassette tape is, and yet here I was using that to make uh, videos, but... Um, I actually started making videos then, and then I thought, Hey, I could get some help out of this. So I brought on a couple of my friends and trained them, um, whether or not I paid them according to Australian fair work laws is another question, but I can't speak on that for legal (laughs) reasons, but we brought them on and trained them. Most of them still work with me to this day. Actually, all of them do. And yeah, that's how it started out.
1: So what, what, what was your thinking when you kicked off Spawn Point? And by the way, why Spawn Point?
0: Great. Um, so actually, when I started, it wasn't called Spawn Point Media. Um, I have my own individual YouTube channel, yep. which is just EY Stream. Yep. Uh, and that's why I started out. And it was actually because of, my dad had this YouTube channel where he had this one viral video happen. And he, he was making uh, these like educational videos on a. He just loved making random things and research random things. And it got picked up by some famous person in the US. It got a million views, which for then, back then, was. Very what very was it rare on? What was the content. I don't know what the video was about. Something to do with American politics. Even then, it was still <laughs> doing well, um, and it made a thousand dollars. Now, to my like ten-year-old uh, brain, a lot of money. Yeah, and my parents—they had this thing where I had to buy everything myself, but they wouldn't pay for anything. And I wanted to play video games because what kind of 10-year-old doesn't want to play video games and I couldn't afford them. So, I was doing all these odd jobs, you know, trying to sell things to people and make money however I could. And when I heard you could make $1,000 from something I already enjoyed doing, it's pretty much a no-brainer for me. Um, And so, yeah, when I started out, it was definitely about the money. So, that's why I went in with a business mindset, which actually is a large reason why we're so successful now. Obviously, now I have many other motivations beyond that, but um, that that's why I started out.
1: Tell me what was EY doing, though. like
0: Yeah, so when I started out, it was everything. So um, I was just making videos for the first two years and I made a video, three videos every single week for three years straight. <laughs> That was the first, so through year four, five, and six. Yeah, content, give I was doing? Hint, give me a hint. Oh, I was doing all kinds of random stuff, mainly Minecraft. It had just come out, and I still do Minecraft to this day, but I was doing other video games that I enjoyed. I was doing, like, uh, tech reviews, um, which sounds so silly for me to think back, or even, like, uh, tutorials on how to hack things. But, again, I really can't speak much more to that. Those videos are all long gone off the internet for... For obvious reasons. Um, So I was just doing what interested me. Uh, And I would do everything from the coming up with the storyline. I was storyboarding the videos. I was coming up with the ideas, figuring out how that would work. I would film the videos myself, edit the videos myself, use the money that I was making from those videos to uh, basically buy courses so I could learn how to get better at it. And learn how to do marketing and research and all of these different things so that I could kind of grow this empire I had um, uh, at that point in time. And yeah, that's basically. Did you want to grow an empire, literally?
1: I mean, I I I don't mean it in a bad sense. I mean,
0: here's the thing (sighs) this is really embarrassing, but. I I don't know why, but I was this obsessed with this business from the beginning. I actually created my own currency in my household and convinced my little sister that this currency had value, which allowed me to create like this currency exchange system, control the market. And then I would inflate and deflate the price to basically get her to do whatever I wanted her to
1: do. She's like your slave.
0: (laughs) Pretty much. Um, So I had this really big obsession with, you know, having these kind of systems in place. Obviously looking back on it, it's very funny for me now. Um, but yeah, I, th- I always wanted to run a business and I think, uh, growing up, I remember a lot of people telling me like, oh, Jordan, you're never going to survive if you're not the boss.
1: <laughs> so what is the white sample by the way?
0: Okay. Uh, I wanted to be called iStream because the iPhone had just come out. Thank goodness I didn't. That would have been awful branding. Um, stepping on Apple's toes would have not done me any favors, but my dad decided that he just completely misheard me and spelt my name wrong, and then it became EY no. Stream. That that's it. There's literally nothing else to it other than my dad decided, ah, oh, I don't like this. I'm gonna just play around with it. And you know, at that age, you needed your parent to make you a YouTube account. I was
1: underage, so and you ran with it. Well, yep. But obviously, you got traction. It got yes, traction. It did. So, um, what do you think it was that? Um, got the traction for you. I mean, what was a, what was interesting to um, those people who were watching you? Great.
0: Well, when I started, obviously the videos were awful. I didn't know what I was doing. I was learning through trial and error. Uh, but when I reached about year nine, this is when we actually incorporated, um, when I formally became a business. It was very difficult because, you know, technically you can't run a business if yep. you're under 18. So there was a lot of loopholes we had to work through, a lot of hoops j- we had to jump through. Um, but when we were able to finally incorporate, this is when that kind of switched for me. Um, because prior it was like Australia has, you know, the tall poppy syndrome and this kind of mentality that everyone in school was telling me, this is stupid. This is going to fail. This is a bad idea. Um, but it was then when I realized that people were treating YouTube at that point in time for fun. Most people were making videos for fun. It was a hobby. Making money on YouTube still wasn't a big thing, even in like 2015 uh, but I realized in the Minecraft market there was a real gap in the market and this is I'd been now training for a couple of years learning about business learning about these things and I saw that everybody was playing uh, Minecraft on the computer version uh, this is what a lot of the larger creators were playing on because that's what they grew up with but my generation we grew up on with you know iPhones and iPads and all of these other devices and there's a different version of Minecraft for that but nobody was touching it because it was difficult and a pain to make videos on uh, but we saw, I saw that gap in the market and that was my step in to actually like in that single year, we gained a million subscribers on that single channel. Uh, that was my foot in the door. That was me realizing, hey, this is a business. And I began actually learning about like psychology and marketing to apply to the thumbnails and the scripts, um, even down to each individual word we analyzed to make sure that it's going to increase retention. Something that uh, pretty much wasn't being done at the time. Uh, and it made us highly competitive because everybody else was just making videos that they, you know, enjoyed, which is fine. And we still enjoy making our videos, but we were actually looking to optimize every bit of engagement, which sounds really common in today's YouTube landscape. But when we started, it didn't exist. We were one of the front runners for that.
1: But Spawn Point Media is not EY Streaming. It's a different. Yes. It's a different business. It includes EY Streaming. E- yes. EY Streaming is part of Spawn Point.
0: Correct. So, so- where
1: did you get the ideas? Okay, okay, Why don't I create a business out of the business I just created?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we were kind of getting to a point where the team for EY Stream was getting really large. We had a full production team and we'd optimized everything very finely. So we had probably at the time, this was about 2020, um, and I was in year 12. I was doing my final year of VCE when COVID hit at the same time. So it was a crazy year. We probably had about 20 people in the team, mix of contractors and uh, employees. We were completely remote because I was in school. And I actually grew up in regional Victoria, so... I was in my parents' house, right? So, I was doing everything remote. Um, And what I realized is, hey, I needed to do school and I needed to run the business and the business was reliant on me. Which a lot of startups are often reliant on their CEO, but uh, at that age, I wasn't really thinking in that form. But um, what I realized is if I wanted this to continue and... I was realizing that, hey, I was working really hard. I would wake up, you know, at 6 a.m., work, start the school day, study for my year 12 exams. Then immediately after that, I would work again really late into the night and I was killing myself. And I thought the money is just not motivating me anymore. I wanted to figure out a way that I could create a company that was going to one, outlast me, two, didn't rely on me, and three, my current motivation is to provide as many jobs for young people in an industry they love that they can rely on and they enjoy. And so for that, I realized, well, we're going to need more channels than just mine. Um, And since we had these 20 people across the functions of writing the videos, coming up with the ideas, uh, marketing them, figuring out how that was going to work, filming and producing them, editing them, animating them, and then the post-production and the publishing and release of them, we realized, hey, over this time, we've come up with some very optimized systems that are designed for scaling. And even before I'd f- like formally kind of put this idea down into writing, I'd always thought, I'd always built the systems with the idea that we could scale,
1: um, offer economies of scale, your economies of scale to others who will either pay you or, or somehow contract with you, where you can use their content in your economy of scale. So you basically build up. Um, the system that others can hook into. Well,
0: that's what we originally went in mind doing. We thought, hey, this is the way to go. We're going to offer these services to other people. Then we realized our optimization and our systems were so good that that wasn't going to work for us. We wanted more. So instead what we've opted to do and we are doing is we are scouting talent ourselves and instead of bringing on existing talent, we are building the talent up, ground up uh, and we're actually hiring them just as actors. So normally when you see social media influences and things like that, these are one person, run and gun, right? And they're kind of just operating with their own. When you look at our channels, they look the same. They feel the same. We, have, we now have this wealth of knowledge on how to create genuine and authentic relationships with our audience. But actually, we've just brought in actors and all they do is they show up to the video and our systems are so efficient, all they do is film and then they're out. They so don't the, the, necessarily know what they're filming. They don't necessarily know anything about why it works, why it doesn't, but we've got the system so refined that we actually own all of the IP for those characters and those influencers. I was going to
1: ask you that. that you, you just hit the word. So is, are you when you go out recruiting these individuals or scouting yes. for these individuals, are you looking for someone with the talent that can become a character that you want to have in relation to group of characters you would like to have sitting on the spawn point. In other words, if you go and sort of select characters, you go find the individual that can fit the bill and train Correct. them up. So we figure out a character we want. Give me an example. Okay. So we were starting a new
0: channel for uh, young children and we want it to be kind of play what's school. That, what's
1: that? What's that mean, young children? How old were you we uh,
0: talking about? You know, we were looking for about four to eight years old. Yep. We wanted it to be a very play school type of vibe uh, and we wanted this character to play a cute bird, mm. right? And so we looked for kind of like, think of like Hoot from Giggle and Hoot, which is Mm -hmm. a really classic Australian example. And so what we did is we needed somebody who knew how to play Minecraft. We need someone with experience in social media. So they kind of understand it's very different to traditional media. Uh, and somebody who's good at acting so what we would do is we for this instance we scattered through tiktok we looked at a lot of australian people who what the issue is is you've got a lot of people in australia who want to be creators it's the number one job that people want to do they want to be an influencer so lots of people are trying on tiktok but most don't see success even if they're really good because they don't have the business skills or even if they are successful tiktok revenue is just not enough to live on and it's not stable and it doesn't have long-term job security so we find somebody and we go hey this person they have the right voice they have proven experience in the field uh but they're missing business experience or they're missing all of the other stuff that makes it work those are the kind of people we're looking for who want to work in this industry we bring them in they're already excited to be a part of the job which is really important for creative content that flows straight into it and then we go hey here's the script here's the video we train them we teach them what works and what doesn't work for acting on social media uh, so, you produce them? Yeah, so to and speak. we completely produce all the content around them, and they come on as salaried employees.
1: This particular individual who you got on to do the, the kids thing, your recruitment pool is you went on to um, TikTok. Yep. You, you found an individual who fit your criteria. You approach the individual, individually accepted. Um, so, what happens then? So, how do you operate it? How Great. So,
0: we'll keep we'll go working with this with this example. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. called Milo and Chip. And so, for the first- Milo 12, and Chip. Milo and Chip. Yep. So, for the tw- first 12 months, uh, we were working on training them. So, they actually were, they just finished uh, uni in Brisbane. They had no intention of going into this career at all, but- um, it's obviously, it's quite an exciting career for a lot of young people. Yeah, well, what, and so what course have they done? They'd just finished uh, an arts degree, I believe. Yep. And um, we offered them this. They were completely shocked. And we brought them down here into Melbourne, to, into the studios uh, where we were filming the videos. And we found a co-star for them as well. Uh, And we wanted them to train. So we brought in one of our uh, experienced producers who'd worked on previous channels before. And they would sit in the recordings with our two talent and continue to adjust, you know, how they're reading the scripts, training them, and also learning from what they preferred. And we'd take that back to the script writers, adjust it for them. So it's very personalized content because that's what is important for social media. It's that genuine and authentic relationship. So it's a lot of going back and forth with feedback and for the first 12 months uh we're really just working on getting them up to standard and so we only that channel got maybe five thousand subscribers in those 12 months and then once we were happy with where they were at we just turned the production dial up to max we tell all the teams hey we're up in capacity um and during that time we're also uh looking to hire other people for those teams to increase the capacity so that when the actors are trained, we're able to take on however many videos. And we can literally just pick, okay, we want to do five videos. And actually over December, they did seven videos a week. So one video every single day. Yep. Yep. Just in 2023, they did a video every single day, posted nonstop for the month of December, and they generated $140,000 in revenue, and they're up to 130,000 subscribers in a single month the minute we just hit the dial on to get them going.
1: What sort of duration are we talking about here? Uh, uh, the
0: video is going anywhere from 30 minutes to 60 minutes. Oh, wow. So this this particular channel, we were targeting TV viewers. It's a uh, one of the biggest growth markets on YouTube in the last year. Uh, a lot of people well, are watching. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, for families. So right. what the, the new trend that's happening is now that millennials are becoming parents, they're actually sitting down and watching TV with their children. And that's why Spawn Point Media is doing what we're doing because we're trying to go and have a youtuber for the parents for the kids for the teenagers and then they come together and watch the videos together as a family because we're family first at small point media that's our goal um right now we're in gaming but later this year we're moving into beauty and fashion so that we are servicing every niche and basically you think of it as the mcu of youtubers is what we're going for
1: so you sort of bu- building a uh, i know it's youtube um but let's this YouTube's television they're all the same bloody thing, but yes. just, just the screen—the screen is <laughs> slightly different. That's all. But and uh, and uh, the, you, you know, don't have to buy a license fee <laughs> like you do a television. Yes. Um, so, but, but basically, you're building a network.
0: Correct. That's exactly the word I would use to yeah. describe spawn point. Yeah, we're yes. building a network of creators.
1: So yes, a spawn point is a network of cre- yes of creators. Importantly, because the, the TV networks would consider themselves the creators. And they just got actors sitting in there, but you're trying to build something for creators. Or uh, are you, or are you it's creating? It's still
0: the same as the TV model from a business standpoint.
1: Yeah. But in from terms a, of the business model, it's yes. the same as the TV.
0: But from a perception point, these are each real people, which is really important for social media and what most it's why many businesses have failed here because they haven't been able to keep the genuine, authentic nature of creators, which what is special about social media, it's different to television while scaling and building a network. So from a viewer perspective, which is the audience, they're seeing this as, hey, these are real people who do real things and I have relationships with them individually and they don't necessarily know they're part of a network but they can see them come together in videos. And creators are already doing this, but they're owned by different companies. And so for these people to work together, it's expensive, it's time consuming, and it doesn't have the same integration. So the stories can't be as good because you're working with like six different companies. But since all the IP and talent is owned by us and we're all using the same systems, we can have an actor appear in someone else's video and it's no more expensive, it doesn't cost us any more time than it would to have them not in that video.
1: So how does Jordan or how's your team uh, work out where the demand is? So like you just mentioned, there's a growth for family or for shows that a family, a whole family can sit and watch being a millennial family. Say maybe you know my son, my 30-year-old son with uh, his two kids, little kids, five, four, four, 6 six-year-olds, um, uh, and the whole family can sit down and watch. By the way, what's interesting? I, um, I tend to watch shows with my grandson. Oh, great!
0: As well. um, he's sucked you in as well. Yeah, yeah, totally.
1: <laughs> well, I just want to watch what he's watching, and I'm. I, I know he's. And and YouTube is so important to him. Like I mean, he's so adept. Yes. With YouTube, um, that if I don't watch with him, then I won't connect with him. Yes. I I really need to. Mm. I I feel like I have to. Yes. And so if I could find something that was vaguely interesting to me. You know, it used to start off with Baby Shark many many years ago. Um, which I, uh, by the time I heard that, that song a couple of times, I was going to die if I ever heard it again. But and he could watch it over and over again. But if I could find something vaguely interesting to me, I would watch it with him for sure. Yes. Just so I could participate with him,
0: which is what we're hoping to achieve. How do you? Uh, in
1: the long I was going to say want to ask you. How do you know about this stuff? And where does your research come from? How do you? How do you come about these decisions, these conclusions, these deductions? Yeah.
0: So when I started. Uh, I, I've had this idea ever since I started. And back then there was no research or evidence to suggest it, but I knew in my gut this is where we thought heading. it. Yeah. Because well, when I started and I was nine years old, I had that connection with YouTube. I knew this is where we were going. But obviously, at the time, there's no evidence. But now, in the last two or three years, the evidence is all over the place. So, we, for all of our videos, we use a very data-based approach. So, we're sc- we are crawling and trawling through the depths of YouTube to collect data on every type of video that's performing, all of the different geographies, the different audiences, demographics. We are ripping just huge amounts of data. Then we have a team of very professional, essentially data uh, specialists. You
1: said data scientists? Is that what we're talking about? Pretty much.
0: Analytics experts. And they will comb through the data and look for patterns. Uh, And so we can see the trends in general where things are moving. That's one side of our business. Um, But the other side of our business is actually Minecraft is what's often called the most competitive market of YouTube. So that actually means that a lot of things we do is we create the trends that end up spreading elsewhere. And most people never know that they originally <laughs> originated from Minecraft creators. So what we do is we use database approach from previous trends and successes. We look at the psychology behind why those trends succeeded. And then we look to modify them in some way, add something that's currently relevant and trending to it. And we repackage that as a brand new trend. And because we're a network, we can post this video across multiple channels, which makes it have this illusion of, oh, it's trending. But actually we've orchestrated the trend which makes what we do very powerful.
1: I've got a really important question I want to ask you. Of course. Um, but let's go to break and we'll come straight back. When you're ready to pop the question,
0: the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door.
1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host. I'm here with Jordan Buckley. He's the CEO and founder of um, Spawn Point Media and uh, we we just sort of got a bit of an insight into Spawn Point Media being a sort of – where it came from in the beginning, but it's sort of a a network uh, of content um, promoting creators and and – but there's a lot more to it than that, (laughs) a lot more science being attached to it. And I said at the end of the last segment I wanted to ask Jordan a question – you don't need me to promote, looking at the numbers that you're drawing in, you don't need me on my, or my uh, podcast to, and to my audience to promote what you're doing. You know, you've got a good business model, it's doing very well, etc. My question to you, Jordan, is why are you here? What do you want to talk about? What is it that's really deep inside your gut that you want to get off your chest about what you guys do? Because my audience is not your audience, obviously. What is it? What do you want to talk about?
0: I think one of the biggest issues, which I think has been apparent also from us beginning to talk, is what we do doesn't really exist and hasn't existed. So the awareness behind it isn't there uh, amongst the business audience. Even though we were the most viewed gaming channel internationally, in the previous year, right? We are pulling in numbers well beyond anything Australian television is seeing and yet we don't have the same funding and we're completely self-funded uh, at this point in time. We've been working with this network model and we've expanded from one channel to five and we've proven that it works and it's successful and we want to target families, right? Where families want to be. In the US, this is more well known, but not here in Australia. and. We're trying to reach out to companies, brands uh, and go, hey, we are on the cusp of rapid growth, rapid expansion. You can see the business model works. It's working. But we want partners. We want people who are long-term sponsors, who want to get involved with what we're doing and who want to target families. Because what's going to happen is Is if we have a ton of creators across all the different spectrum and we can bring in more funding, not only can we continue to expand our network more rapidly, but if you have a product in a video and it's in, you know, the little sister's beauty and fashion video they're watching, and then it's in the older brother's gaming video they're watching, and then it's in the same video where those two creators come together and they're watching with their parents, that's creating a brand affinity, So we're not here to just go, hey, chuck a sponsor in our video and you'll get sales. That's not what we're about. We are creating strong brand affinity. The positive emotions that these people have are being connected to the brand. And so when these kids grow up, they're going to have really strong attachment to the brand the same way you look at how Lego is just exploding with adults at the moment, right? Or Coca-Cola is often used as like the prime example of brand affinity where they've just chucked their brand on everything positive. And, you know, even just the moments of like, Hey, we're going out to eat, or we're going to go get groceries. And the kids are like, let's go to Woolworth. That's where my favorite creator shops and the little sister's like, Oh, so does mine because we've got a long-term partnership across our network. Um, and so we're looking for brands to partner with us in that who want to build long-term brand affinity with families.
1: Yeah, so long-term brand affinity means uh, um, basically collaborating with you for a period of time. Like it's not just a one-quick transaction like a, a three-month campaign.
0: Yeah, we do that, a, but that's not what we
1: want, yeah, and that's but, why. I'm here. Yeah, no, you, need, you need something much more sustainable than that. Correct. And, and so what, you're, what you are trying to do here is, and you're probably going to do it on a number of platforms, but you're basically going out and spreading the word. Anyway, you know, you're telling people, look, here's a channel. Oh, here's a, vari- a number of channels. I think you said five or six. Five, yes, uh,
0: we're currently at about five or six. Yeah.
1: Five or six. So, for example, you got the kid, little kids one. Yes. Um, what else you got apart from so Minecraft? So, we've
0: got uh, – we basically are now covering uh, Minecraft, Roblox, and real-life content from yep. the ages of four all the way to 21 at this current time. Uh, and we're getting into beauty and fashion to target teen girls, uh, particularly later this year as well.
1: Right. So, you'll have a, a six-channel channel yeah, yeah. Well, let's not talk about channels demographics so you got effectively you're going to have six demographics correct so the demographics and I don't mean in just age but demographics with a number of variables associated with them so correct you know um, what I mean it's it's ages it's it's potentially ge- ge- geography where people live um, it's uh, interests it's uh, maybe male and female or other. It's potentially, um, you know, and if you stay, if what you're also saying is if you stay with us, those kids eventually are going to become adults one day, and uh, they they build affinity with you with two or three, with the channel. Yes, and the channel actually reflects your brand value, their brand values onto
0: your brand values. Yes, and as those children grow up, we're hoping that they move on to another person in our network, and if we have long term brands who are invested in us then they're going to be able to basically have access to this customer throughout their entire developmental cycle of their childhood and their teenage years which is something that you know is not doesn't really exist in the social media space at this point is that right well not really because you've got most creators are here for three years and then they either burn out or they're not able to maintain relevancy yeah, yeah, yeah. because they can't uh, produce content enough, but because we're running well, so the get three is older.
1: Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, or well, their
0: audience gets older. Uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. we have a network across every demo. If we're having a network that continues to expand across more demographics, we're able to continue to pass that onwards and so hold retention for people in a way that just hasn't been done before yeah. in an so, authentic and genuine
1: so, Yeah, so, so, so you, because your business model, uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong- um, i your your thinking on your analysis, but your business model says, look, when my grandson goes from six to nine, he's moving into a different show, but you're going to have the show. Correct. So- because
0: they've seen that character yeah. in their show yeah. and they're like, hey, we like this character and now we're older, we like this content more. Oh, we'll go watch this person. Yeah, yeah, now. yeah.
1: yeah. And then the sponsor can be in both. Correct. It C- just follow them through. So the I mean, this is a typical thing that um, Commonwealth Bank did. When I went to school, I mean, there was obviously no YouTube, but Commonwealth Bank used to give us a passbook. Uh, yes, I had one of those as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, and you got a Commonwealth Passbook. Yes. And you And, you know, you, I don't know, I was paying some crappy uh, interest rate, but it doesn't matter because interest rate wasn't important to me. But, uh, but, but Commonwealth Bank was smart. They, they even made a – I've still got it, actually. They made they used to make a, a tin box. That was looked like the Commonwealth Bank building, which is in here in Martin Place. Was there in Martin Place? So it's now Macquarie Bank there. But um, that box used to put a couple of a few coins, and then at the end of the period when you fill it up, you know, the, the theory was you went and banked it. And, and I mean,
0: I still bank at Commonwealth Bank because of that. There you go.
1: <laughs> but that's a good example though of yes. the sorts of sponsors that make sense Correct. because they have a lifetime relationship with you and maybe one day you're going to borrow money to buy a house off Commonwealth Bank. You know, well,
0: we borrowed a lot of money from CBA, so I'm sure yeah. they're quite happy with this investment. Do you know what
1: I'm saying? You know, like, and it makes sense. Yes. But you want to do it across a broad range of people yes. using all your various characters. Your way to market, though, is to have this sense of, from a sponsor point of view, have this sense of individuality, Individual creators, but you own all the IP. Correct. Or correct. The IP.
0: why do people? Why are brands so desperate to get on social media right now? Because people are seeing hypocrisy all over the place. They pretty much ignore traditional advertising, but social totally. media is different because people have these relationships with the creators because they're genuine and they're authentic. The issue with that, obviously, for most is they can't scale that. But we've managed to scale genuine or and authentic so that we can actually have all the advantages of social media advertising while having all the advantages of traditional media advertising with none of the downside. And that's what we're doing differently.
1: And, and is this purely so you can build a better revenue stream or a more sustainable reliable revenue stream for your business spawn point
0: we have a really reliable revenue stream so that's not my concern my concern is we want to expand into more demographics more rapidly so we could keep growing without any sponsors and never even blink an eyelid in fact that's what we've been doing for ages but we see that what we're doing is so good that if we can bring in more capital we can reach more markets more quickly and you know we can expand faster and i my motivation is to provide as many jobs for people as possible. So obviously more money equals more jobs. That's good for me. It's totally. good for the, the people in the company.
1: When you say bringing more capital, you're talking about capital in the form of revenue or actual capital invested? Uh,
0: capital in terms of revenue. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a cheaper way
1: of than giving away um, equity. Again, yes. you know, if you give away equity, that's quite an expensive process. Um, debt's much cheaper than that, although the interest rates are quite high at the moment. But generally speaking, it's, it's much cheaper than equity. Yes. But the cheapest form of capital is revenue. Correct. Um, and if you can get enough revenue, and then you can you've if you get sufficient amount of revenue on top of the revenue you're you're already getting, then that allows you then to go and um, spend that revenue in new ventures. So one of these not, does it, is is the is the um the, the period that it takes to launch a new show for example the beauty and health one for kids young people um, is that is it typically a 12 month period
0: yeah we like to go for about 12 months is it gives us a good amount of time to train and set up and that means that obviously there's startup capital invested yeah, totally. right yeah. and it takes time for that capital to come what back are we looking and at? the it depends if it's a gaming channel maybe 500,000 but something like the beauty and fashion channel is probably going to be a 2 million 3 million startup yeah. capital right so for that It means that, hey, we need that money before we're going to see a return. And having partnerships on our other existing and successful channels is a great way to do that. Um, And even having, hopefully, once we have long-term partnerships who've seen the success they've had with us, are able to go, hey, this, you're doing a new venture. We want our brand to be the exclusive one for this and we can lock that in and i think it's important to note that we made a, a very specific and intentional decision not to accept investor capital at least for the time being because the biggest reason why traditional media stopped connecting with viewers investment capital care about xyz which is not genuine authentic yeah, yeah. and that damages the relationship
1: totally especially when it gets to actual old school networks correct it's, it's a yeah, it's a- and
0: that's where most of the venture capital is coming from at the moment and if we did that it would ruin the business ruin what makes this social media advertising so powerful.
1: Well what I like about it, though is you're not thinking about it in typical terms because you know like money's money it doesn't matter what it's, where it actually the whole thing's a fiction whether it goes in shares <laughs> or as debt they're, they're, they're legal fictions they're all created by lawyers and yes, of course. people who like to put things into a, into a box and so it's uh, you know it's controllable. And you fictionalize the rules around it. I mean, is there, they're just a, a set of fictional rules. So, with called equity, which means you've got shareholders, which they may have a vote or they may not have a vote. The rules might say that you have to give them a return, you might have to give them a return, might not have your return. If it's debt, you know, there's a, you know, there's, could, could be secured, it might not be secured. It has to be re- the rules might around payment, when it's got to be repaid, where it's principal interest, blah, blah, blah. Whereas, and revenue is just another form of capital, it doesn't make any difference. So, what what's, what I like about this is you are not thinking in terms of rules, rule based structures, you're thinking about uh, I need capital, and the best form of capital for me, for you, that is, is revenue, and uh, and the revenue will support the business model. Yes. And uh, uh, so, when it comes to um, uh, it's sort of quite fascinating, how the fuck do you learn about all this shit? I and mean, where did you get all this stuff from?
0: So let's be honest, you can't learn about this kind of stuff. Even now, if you try and Google it, there's a little bit more resources than there used to be. Mostly scam and con artists yeah, saying, totally. "We'll teach you how to make thousand dollars on YouTube in a month," right? Like. It's because the business model that we've created, there are very, very few companies that do it. We're the only ones in Australia. There's two or three in the US that I'm aware of. Uh, and so we've pretty much trailblazed this business model ourselves. Mistakes. through Trial and error. Plenty of mistakes all the time. Uh, but the benefits are so extreme here. And the biggest thing I think that is the, th- uh, the difference is a lot of businesses are employing people to do jobs. But with content that needs to appear genuine, authentic, the people making that content actually really have to enjoy what they're doing and they have to care about what they're doing because it it's very obvious when that doesn't show through the content. And so, when we employ, we're not employing on traditional metrics. We employ people without uni degrees pretty much all the time, employ people straight out of school often that nobody would ever think. Some people who come from backgrounds, you would never think. And then we bring them into our environment where we, where we prioritize culture because it's creative content, and they flourish.
1: What do you mean, product is culture?
0: So, for us, uh, a lot of businesses, especially at the moment, are having a real difficulty hiring Gen Z, right? Uh, And that comes down to Gen Z care more about culture than they do about KPIs and payments and all these other things now we have those things but our kpis look very different they actually emphasize culture we're a completely remote business so for example instead of going okay you do xyz by the end of the month you get x bonus instead we have micro kpis like oh you did a good thing here we give out a free uber eats voucher and we do that regularly and so the team will get rewarded for you know in a week they might all get uber eats voucher then they choose to go out together, to jump on a Zoom call together and eat together because they want to celebrate. And we're not telling them, oh, you have to do this. Oh, you have to show up to company ha- happy hour, whatever. We're rewarding them and they're choosing to spend the time together and build that culture themselves. Which means because of that, our, our Gen Z employees actually really enjoy working there, which is more important to them than salary. And that shows through the content.
1: But- you're Gen Z yourself. Yes, I am. And uh, I often wonder is it Gen Z or Gen Z? What do you guys call it?
0: Uh, technically on social media, it's Gen Z, but yeah. I'm also an Australian, so it's Gen Z to me. Yeah, it's Gen Z. <laughs> I just don't want to get flamed in the comments of any section. No, you're cancelled, dude.
1: <laughs> so, uh, so uh, what do you think about uh, That's a pretty interesting point about culture versus more traditional measurements uh, in terms of performance. Where does that come from? that uh, preference that Gen Z has relative to, say, someone who's a millennial, for example? Yes.
0: I think the the difference comes from, first off, a lot of millennials have been caught complaining on social media <laughs> about various different things, um, and Gen Z see that. And they go, oh, well, I don't want to do all these things and follow in their footsteps. So obviously, Gen Z wants to be different. That, that's the first thing. Every generation wants to be different and they have their own things. But also COVID, I think, is the biggest player in this because we pretty much saw our childhoods disappear for three years. Yeah. Um, and suddenly it became, well, if that's going to happen. And uh, during this time, basically, companies laid off all over the place. Even people who had been working for 10, 20, 30 years, Gen Z was watching that. And because of that, now they're going, well, we're not going to waste our lives working, even if it's a great salary. We want a job that cares about us. We enjoy going to, we enjoy seeing the people that are there and will be flexible with us so that we can go and enjoy life and live life outside of our job. And we don't mind if we take a salary hit because their value system is now shifted towards these things over straight money because it doesn't seem as secure as it used to to this generation
1: do, do you think there's a sense of um not desperation for gen z but like uh shit i'm never gonna achieve what my mom and dad achieved i'm never gonna get a house i'm never gonna
0: yes that's, re- that's a properly. big sentiment for a lot of gen z people and honestly it's part of the reason i'm passionate about doing what i'm doing because we're paying gen z employees in a way that hey that will be I really hope will be a future for them, but they might not find somewhere else. And at the same time, they love what they're doing.
1: So but do, but do they actually – I mean, obviously, you, you're part of it, but and you discuss this with these people, this generation of people. Yes. Do they actually despair at the fact that they may be renting for the rest of their life? Or Some at people- least if they want to live in Melbourne, they're going to be living in Melbourne as a renter, and they're not thinking to themselves, shit, how can I work my way around this? How can I arbitrage this market? You know, should I be buying in? Um, I don't know. Let's call Shepperton. Should I be? I, I don't want to pick on Shepperton, but should I be? Should I be <laughs> buying a, a place in Shepperton? I'm not going to live there. I'm going to rent it out because Shepperton's cheap. You know, it's cheap. it's affordable. Have Gen Z started to arbitrage this process and start think how so can arbitrage I arbitrage So it's interesting because
0: I'm Gen Z. Yeah. So I I'm immersed in this environment at the same time I run a business. But you got a valuable which, business. Yeah, which is different. So that's probably more how i think because it's more of a business outlook and it's a very long-term focused output but that comes back to covid these guys just saw their life disappear and it pretty much like that and they're worried like it's it happened during their key developmental years and so because of that the focus on long term has very much diminished for them because they see well. What's the point of planning? Because you're saying, okay, I go to Shepherd, and they might not want to live in Shepherd, but they're going there to plan for the long term, yeah. so they can have the money to do whatever they want in the future. One day, right? But that because of COVID, a lot of them think, well, that one day might not come if something might happen. You know, a family member might die, I might die, I might not. The plan might not work out the way it is, and then I've spent my life doing something I don't want to do. So for a lot of them, this importance on long term that. Perhaps because I I also grew up in the countryside where a long term is a bigger focus out there because a lot of them, you know, farmers and things like that. And so while we have this focus on long term and I think the older generations do as well, um, especially in the cities and with the young people, because of COVID, they just this part of them, it's changed their brain chemistry almost to just not have that much importance on it because they're worried that the long term might never come. Um, and especially with a lot of social issues that young people care about, things like climate change and politics and stuff, a lot of them have this doom mindset. Unfortunately, social media uh, really pushes that, and that's what they're mainly consuming. You, you, and you have a lot of years on me, and I'm sure you've seen the cycle of media. It's always doom. It's always doom. But you've realized that life goes on. But it's different for them because social media is their. For a lot of them, it's the only way they consume information, and so a lot of them think that the future isn't coming, and so they're not interested in preparing for but
1: it. But do 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 you feel as though uh, I find that a little bit unfor- uh, it's terrible? Yeah, uh, it really uh, is it's a bad way to think. Yes. I mean, uh, how can I mean? Uh, it's got nothing to do with this podcast, but it is a question I want to ask you because <laughs> um, I don't know your I don't know your generation, um, and I definitely know the, do not know the generations coming after you. Um, that's my grandkids' generation, but how can we sort of help them sort of understand that they should not just be thinking short-term, short, think short-term, but let's have a blend of short-term, maybe even medium-term instead of just thinking short-term day-to-day transactional. Like, am I going to get an Uber Eats thing? Am I going to share with my community and, uh, and, then hang out? Am I going to help create some stuff? And i got, I'm getting quite a lot of satisfaction out of my day-to-day job working for, you know, you guys. Um, but also, maybe I need to start at least start to think about the medium term. You know, maybe I need to think about this concept of Shepparton or whatever it is. Yes. Maybe I'll do it with two of my colleagues. Yes. Or three of my colleagues. Is that possible? The three of us could put together a deposit over a period of three years, for, for argument's sake, which gives them a, a task to do. And then… We will buy something in Shepparton because lenders like my business or banks, well, CBA in your case, yes. in your as one of your uh, lenders says, look, if the th- we we CBA will lend money to you three guys or girls or combination of the, the both, um, to buy a property in Shepparton because uh, we think three incomes is actually better than one. Yes, I mean what about, I mean it's. I think it's achievable.
0: I look. How do I, you get to? it? I them? think it is achievable, but the issue is, is if you've got older people telling younger people what to do, we listen. see it every single generation. It's the same. But no, scenario, that's my question.
1: Right? But how do we do it? How so do we do it? So so, so it's not Mark Boris telling him. Because yeah. I'm, you know, too old. But how do we do it? What well, do think? I
0: think we have the solution um, because we are building an environment that these people want to work in they that know, they trust. That they trust, and we're showing them that we care about them, which we I genuinely do that's actually opened up a lot of conversations for us to go. And, you know, it's funny, my my EA, she holds like life lessons for a lot of these guys straight out of uni and she teaches them how to budget for their groceries. Some of them were spending like, I can't, I can't even say it without feeling awful about the amount they were spending on groceries for a week for just them. And they didn't understand that because they hadn't learned these lessons. So it's actually about creating companies that care. And then we can then through that trust teach them and show them hey like we've we've helped people go you shouldn't be paying that much for rent hey let's find you a spot and help with that and it seems a lot of businesses don't want to go that extra step and beyond because it costs money it costs time but when we do that not only are we helping these people improve and hopefully help them plan for medium and long term but it's why we have some of the best employee retention around like a lot of the employees have been here for like 10 years don't plan on going anywhere anytime soon Because we've cared for them and we've helped them develop a long-term plan. And it's great because our company is a part of that long-term plan as well.
1: What about, Jordan, though, if um, your business actually doesn't only just talk to your employees, but talks to your audience. Hmm. Um, And it's not and – I'm not trying to invent things here, but I sort of am because I'm sort of intrigued by it. (laughs) It's not – you know, um, the, the, the CEO of CBA talking to him, which, you know, would bore, bore the tits off. And, you know, they just... But it's, say, so you having a little podcast or a little something or other, it could be YouTube, but a channel where, I don't care what format it is, but a channel where you are talking to the CEO of, of uh, CBA and you're actually extracting from him, but put into more simple terms, your own terms, and then delivering it, To a large audience not just your staff but everybody because i i reckon you've got such a powerful thing going on because if you're looking for cba for example to be a sponsor on on your platform on your network they would love that (laughs) and uh and by the way because all of a sudden you are being not just entertaining you're not just not in the entertainment business but you're in the um sort of self-help business nearly
0: yes Look, I'd love to get involved with that at some point in time, Uh, but I think right now my focus has to be on building our network because entertainment is our business, right? Now, when businesses try and spread themselves too thin, they end up doing a poor job of Mm. both things. I would love to do what you suggest. Like Right now, my mind is like, oh, yeah, this would be so cool, so great. Uh, but, but you don't want to get too old for it correct I mean I, but, but I, if we if we have if we don't establish the connection with CBA first through the entertainment means I can guarantee you they're not going to come to that podcast afterwards so it's a matter of going step by step and I think a lot of people are too quick to jump to that next step oh let's do this let's do this let's do this and they haven't built that relationship with the audience yet yeah so I think that's a great idea but we would need to make sure that we're not Jumping too quickly ahead and leaving the audience behind.
1: I just look at it as a mission. That's all. I mean, it's, it is sort of <laughs> it is sort of been my mission in life um, to help people borrow money and uh, to get ahead. Um, that, that's that's just how I feel. I mean, I think everyone deserves that opportunity, but these days it's really hard because yes, it is go- difficult. Governments let us down in that they haven't put enough supply into the system, which you know everybody knows when there's not enough supply but there's strong demand, if prices go up. Yes. There's, just, there's no other way to go. And uh, and, and I, from my point of view, the governments are disappointed. They disappointed me big deal, big time. <laughs> and I'm not particularly in any particular government, not Liberal, Labor, not state, not federal, not local, all of them.
0: I'm in agreement with you. They've all, they, <laughs> they've all
1: just put young people, your generation, in a really bad spot.
0: Yes, they have.
1: And it's nearly nearly despair for some people.
0: Well, even for us running the business, like... Even from a small business perspective, the governments have not done a great job for us. I'm Gen Z and I'm running a business and I look at other countries' legislation and laws and they're promoted to push and grow the business. For us, it's so difficult for us to grow the business um, due to things like tax rates, all these hidden taxes that we have in Australia for small businesses. And even the employment laws and bringing in talent from overseas and things like that is – it's – it's just
1: prohibitive. impossible. It's, it's prohibitive. very
0: prohibitive and there's so many laws you have to work with and we lose tons of revenue just to getting those things working.
1: And it also makes you sanitize things too. Yes. So you're, you're always trying to sanitize within the regulations. Correct. And uh, we, we are de- desperately over-regulated. But you, you've got a great model. I actually I really love the refinement of your model. I mean it's, it's a network um, that's used one – business the original business ey to be your sort of um your leader you know it's gone out there and then you've worked out what to do to make this work and then you've worked out how do i build an economy as i now i can have a i can scale this up because i've got all this um expertise and intellect and um talent sitting in there and then i'm going to build now i'm going to build myself a network and i'm going to build myself a network of channels that relate to i i loosely call it demographics but it's something else it's something other than that it's um it's something much more complicated than demographics. It's yes. demand-based. <laughs> and uh, and you, I think you are five. I think you're going to go to six. And now you're thinking, no, but in order to fund the sixth and seventh and eighth and ninth and tenth, assuming you get down to that territory, um, I need capital and I don't really want to give equity away and I probably don't want to borrow any more money. So um, I'm going to make, it make sure it's revenue capital. And uh, therefore, I'm going to come on a show like Boris's um, and talk to his audience, which is those sorts of people. Um, I guess my final question for you is, once you achieve, you know what you want to achieve. Your ten channels—is this an exit? I mean, do you do you have a, have in your mind what am I going to do? What, what are you going to do with? Them? I mean, you're only twenty one, but <laughs> have you ever thought to yourself, if Disney came along and said, you know, we love this?
0: Here's the thing with that: I reckon if Disney came along and offered us, they would probably run the business into the ground. And I think yeah, that's what's important. But you for get me a big to check. Recognize. Yeah, I get a big check, but. That's not why I do what I do. And if I was hypocritical, that would immediately show up in my company and in my content. And I'm fully in belief that if we want to do the things that I'm saying I want to do, and we want to give that value to brands, sponsors, and partnerships, then I have to be committed. I have to walk the talk, right? And that's what I'm going to do. And so, I'm committed to making sure that this company follows those values that I have. And if we sold it to someone that wouldn't be the case. So, I'm planning to stick around for as long as need be to make sure that that's achieved. Maybe one day I find somebody who replaces me, but I plan for this business to last long beyond me and with those same values in mind and find somebody who has those same values. Um, Again, I'm not interested in a big check of money. I'm really not. (laughs) I I could close my business today and I could retire and I could live very happily on some island somewhere, but that's not what I'm doing this for. And that's why I'm committed to the mission.
1: Oh, good on you. And, and, I, and I, I, as someone who's had a quite a bit of experience in those processes and those outcomes, they do, they do, will ruin your business for you. Those big organizations, they can't do what you do. And the audience works that very, very quickly. Yes. Uh, particularly in the entertainment game. Oh, yes, for sure. Uh, they, they work it very, very quickly. We get, we're being bothered here. And uh, it's not the same relationship. And it's not it's not their fault. It's not that's not the big company's fault. They just don't have the the ability to do it. Correct. Even though they'd like to keep it keep it you know, keep going the way you've been doing it and they'll probably offer you you know, you will get offers. Oh, they, we've they, already had offers. You're gonna be seduced. <laughs> They're gonna try and seduce you like left, right and center. But I mean, it's it's it'd be interesting for me to talk to you in ten years' time if I'm still around in another ten years' time. Well, um, I
0: hope you're still around. I, I, I definitely hope I'm still <laughs> around,
1: and uh, I definitely hope I'm still around. But I'd love to talk to you, you know, in a few years' time, maybe ten years' time, and just see where you're at when you're 31, you know, and I, I you know, because at that point you might be thinking, well, maybe I've got to settle down and my family, whatever, you know. It's just interesting to see what all the, those new inputs into your life, how they. Create any if they create a new deduction or a new outcome or new conclusion. Hmm. Um, and I actually think it would be brilliant for me to see uh, how big your network looks. Because for me, these people that you are now talking to your your audiences, they're all going to be in their 20s, late like 20s by then. Yes, you know, and they're, and they're going to be wealthy and have money, they're going to spend money, they're going to be looking for new, new forms of entertainment. Yes, probably won't ever watch Netflix. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, oh, they, they're definitely probably not going to go to, I mean, I love Jerry Harvey, but uh, they're probably not going to go to Harvey Norman buy a 55-inch television unless they can play games on it, uh, <laughs> you know. But uh, it's going to be really interesting. And I, I, for me, I'm, I'm actually quite thrilled to uh, talk to someone your age, but also with your um, ambition and, and what you're achieving. It's uh
0: Small details or big surfaces, tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured or tall, Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers.
1: Uh, these sorts of conversations really enrich my life. So I appreciate you coming in. Thanks very much. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. You're most welcome. Actually, it's been a real delight. I'm really glad to hear that.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of The Mentor with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistance, Simon McDermott.
1: This is a mentored podcast.